Hello and welcome to a special episode of Hip Hop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course, and I'm joined with Shane Kanto. Hi, everybody. I asked Shane along to talk about See How They Run With Me because uh, I was invited to go see this movie, and I have uh, a couple of thoughts that I just I really want to get to. Um, in the spoiler section, of course, we will start off talking about See How They Run, non-spoilery, and then we will eventually move on to spoilers uh, when the time is right. So don't worry if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, yet we won't spoil things for you at the moment, but uh, um, we're going to talk about the movie a little bit. I just figured like Shane sees a lot of movies. I looked up his letterbox, like, and he had seen it. Like there's, if this is a new release, so when I asked Shane to do it, um, there hadn't been a lot of people that have cataloged it yet. So I was like, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be fun to have Shane on again. Um, so it's been a while. It has. Uh, was Moonfall the last time you were on for a small? God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all right i'm sure you know i i, I was if i would have known about luck earlier i would have done the apple screener for it and it, i wanted to do cha-cha real smooth um and i still haven't seen it <laughs> uh, great beer run that's oh, popping that... up soon i guess Ooh, yeah because i want to see that one so yeah it's, I'm, I'm looking at the screener face now checking every day <laughs> yeah well let me know when that one comes out and and if I can get around to it, we'll do an early episode of Great Beer Run. Uh, I will definitely do that. Sweet. Uh, so yeah. So and there's I mean, there's also other good stuff coming out too. Apple's got a sneaky good catalog coming out the rest of the year. Uh, like they've got a good number of things coming. So yeah, we'll be we'll talk about see how they run now, and uh, let's just get into it. See how they run is the new uh, murder mystery ish film. Uh, directed by Tom George, written by Mark Chappell, both of them relatively new to the scene, starring Sam Rockwell, Sir Ronan, uh, and a bunch of other people. I I recognized Ruth Rils- Ru- Ruth Wilson and Adrian Brody, and then David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Um, I think that was like the main ones I recognized. But there's a good amount of like faces in here that you're like, oh, that guy, like the guy that played Richard Attenborough. He's he's like a that. Yeah, guy. Harris Dickinson's been popping up in a few things recently. Yeah, because he was in uh, King's Band. That's where we recognized him from. Yep. So, but, yeah, decent cast in here. Decent uh, searchlight pictures. They typically come out with some pretty good stuff. So, Shane, what did you think about See How They Run? Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I really like this a lot. And it's one of those kind of movies that I'm like, there's a good chance I'm going to love this coming out of it, just based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as fresh as it could have been in terms of like the mystery and stuff like that but like it has a fun personality about it It has a fun cast it like right from the start with like adrian brody doing his like narration and stuff like that and and breaking like the fourth wall leading us into like his own murder was a fun time and it has yeah that's not a a spoiler by the way because that's that's the setup no like this is like a Christmas Carol. Marley was dead to begin with. <laughs> like, that's, that's basically the start of this movie, and like, because you know, somebody had to die. It's a murder right, mystery, right? Um, so, and you know, the tandem of Sam Rockwell and Sarah Sharonin are so great. And just from the trailer, and also, I'm extremely biased because Sarah Sharonin is my favorite actress. Like at this point that's working today and like i was so ready for this and she's quirky and fun and she's really trying her best and her dynamic with sam rockwell is so great 
and this is really well shot. Um, I think it's Daniel Pemberton did the score for this, which is fun. And I'm like, I was half expecting to pull this up and find Alexandra Desplot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, did they not guess Wes Anderson and still steal his composer? <laughs> um, but like, it definitely has. It's definitely not as brightly colored enough to be a Wes Anderson movie, but it definitely has that kind of vibe. And, you know, I just had a blast with it. And I feel like if you were really looking for like a blast at the movies, go check this out. Yeah. Uh, I, man, I struggle. I'm right on the line of really liked it and loved it. I, I struggle to say like my experience, I left the theaters with a big smile on my face and I really loved it for a good while of the movie. I thought this might be my second favorite movie of the year. It landed at number nine for me overall. Um, but I wasn't going to have it just behind everything everywhere all at once. But by the time everything was said and done, I, I have it just behind the Jackass movies and, um, you know, and uh, Scream and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and the Northman. Like it's, it, it, it went, it jumped down significantly just halfway through the movie. I think because, so I, I guess that means I'm going to go ahead and say, I really, really, really like this movie. Um, I loved my experience, but I think ultimately this movie has two main draws for me or two main, um, main things that keep me down from it. One is I just, it, I was losing a little bit of interest in the middle of it. I mean, this is advertised as a whodunit and it is kind of a proper whodunit because there is a very low body count in this movie. I don't think that's a spoiler to say. Like if you're expecting, you know, like an like a Agatha Christie something where like, you know, uh, Death on the Nile where like somebody's dying or at least attempted murder every couple of scenes, you know, uh, that's, that's not this movie. Um, so... Uh, and I respect that. Um, you know, this isn't Scream, so um, it's not. A, I only get a spoiler to say there's a low body count in this movie, and I don't think uh, I don't. I, I, I mo- a lot of them happen, you know, in the last probably twenty thirty minutes of the movie. Um, and this is a pretty short breeze, but I think I think it just the movie started off kind of this fantastical, whimsical kind of way, and at some point it just decided it was going to abandon that and it was going to take itself completely seriously. I think I know the exact yeah, yeah. point. And it just it just started to lose my interest a little bit less and a little bit less with each scene, with each second that wasn't as fun and quirky as the first little bit. But I think there's a lot of technical achievements here. Specifically, like it's not just Wes Anderson-y in the way that it's written, but in the way that it's directed too, because there's frequent like split screen shots where the like cameras mm-hmm. the camera angles like will move around and kind of show you different perspectives, even though there's really not a reason to show you multiple perspectives. It's just a fun quirky thing. Um, maybe to give you multiple angles or to show you, well, these people are here, so they couldn't have done that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's um, there's a there's a lot of problems that I had with kind of the way this movie ended. I think ultimately it just sums up to this movie isn't as ridiculous as it made me want to believe. I really wanted a slapsticky Wes Anderson, very light stakes um, or pretty heavy stakes, but also still pretty like fun and whimsical um like I, i'm imagine like imagining the scene in knives out where anna de Armas is doing something really serious and daniel craig is singing in the car um like i'm i'm imagining like that for the whole movie and it's that for half of this movie and then it's not for the other half so it just yeah, i can definitely feel that because like it definitely like i feel like the first half of it definitely feels like a grand budapest kind of murder mystery like quirky weird kind of thing and like that that has some emotional heft towards the end of the film but like it still carries that darkly quirky kind of thing and you're right i didn't really think about but this film does 
take a bit of more serious turn towards the end. And like, I kind of like the tone better in the first half of the film as well. I am completely satisfied with where the movie ended. It's just mm-hmm. the way that it was set up made, made led me to believe something different. Um, led me to believe different outcomes. So, yeah, I um, I think I think maybe that's a good place to pause and say spoilers. Like, so so we both really like the movie. I'm assuming we're both going to recommend it. Um, I yes. guess I guess one big one big question to ask when if somebody's interested in seeing this movie without spoiling anything. Um, when did you figure out? who who done it to be honest like and this is just me in general i tried not to figure things out while i'm watching movies because i kind of just wanted to surprise me and does that leave me open to being a little bit more surprised than others yeah if i guess what it is and i'm actively trying not to that's a bad sign um so but like Okay, so two, two, the two recent examples of murder mysteries, I think, are see how they run in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And I've been singing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies praises, uh, partly because I was, I, I, try to, I try to just let the movie take me where it wants to take me and reveal what it wants to reveal, and I'll be fine when it wants to do that. But there is an inkling of me that's always still trying to figure it out. I'm not necessarily trying to get ahead of the movie. I'm just trying to think about it. And the problem is, in 99% of the time, the conclusion that I come up with is always is preferred over the conclusion they give me. So the difference with bodies, bodies, bodies though, is I had all these different things in my head that I loved and I loved the way the film actually chose to end instead. Yeah. Um, but for this one, I thought of at least two different ways that I wanted this movie to end uh, that I just knew never would satisfy me. Now I'm happy with the way the film ends, but it's it's a very serious ending for a very not serious movie. Um, very totally different. So yeah. I I didn't actually know who did it until they revealed it. But I I'm satisfied with what it is. But I just wish it was better. And I will definitely explain in spoilers. Yeah, I I have some very specific thoughts of even things that the film tried to make you believe were true that oh. were bold choices. Okay. And then well. I feel like the end wasn't very bold but like it made sense yes and i think it worked in the context of some of the ideas of like dealing with this high society kind of because i feel like this whole entire ride you're there with sam rockwell and sarah sharonin and sam rockwell you can tell is much more like down to earth just like ugh, just trying to get day to day and he's dealing with all these obnoxious over the top full of themselves, highfalutin, like, actors and directors and people like this. And I think it's interesting where the film takes it because then it kind of reinforces those ideas of, like, that divide. But, like, at the end, I'm like, oh, it was that person? Okay. And I felt like I wanted it to hit harder than it did, but it made sense to me. Um, Also, I think this film was interesting in the way that it hit with a lot of meta kinds of elements, including like one particular character who pops up in this movie that I'm just like, they went there. And because you could tell this film is an ode to a very specific kind of murder mystery. And the fact that this film, and I'll talk more about it in spoilers, actually takes you there. And like, it would feel like 
somebody making it would be like I don't know, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, which has 100% is influenced by Stephen King and having Stephen King show up. Yes. And it'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And like this film kind of went there. And I even saw, I think it's a consensus on Rotten Tomatoes Mm -hmm. where it's just like, this is trying to be like an ode to certain things, but then dooms itself to not being as good as those certain things. Yes. And like, I'm like, I get that. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked enough non-spoilers. I think so. This will be your official cutoff. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie and you care about spoilers, and like any who done it, I really think you should see the movie before listening to this. Uh, the rest of this, at least. Um, so I'm going to definitely say that this isn't one of those movies where it doesn't really matter. Um, I think this is one you should you should definitely go see, and then you should come back here for. Um, so there's yeah. there it is. Official last spoiler warning. Here we go. Yeah. Movie okay. theaters need you. Go check out this movie. So, um, okay, so I'm completely satisfied with the reveal of the killer, uh, mostly because I love the motive. I, they, they didn't, yes. they kind of touch on with the whole where they ask, like, where, where Sam Rockwell says he couldn't have done it because it's not a passive crime. Like, whoever killed this director, like, really wanted to do something. Like, when you rip out somebody's tongue, it's a, um, it's a very personal, very, like, somebody wants to get revenge and they stew on it for years kind of way. And so, mm-hmm. but there's also an element of, like, when somebody rips out somebody's tongue, it's because they want to silence them. And so I love the, just the, this is based off, I knew at some point this had to tie back to it where this is based off of a true story. I knew at some point this had to tie back to it um, with, at some point, but I didn't figure this person being the foster kid that survives this horrible affair from this play and then is just upset that not, not upset that the play is happening, but upset that the play isn't telling the real story. It, it, yeah. it uses his tragedy as a means to tell a relatively generic story. And so he's upset about that as opposed to actually getting to tell the real story and, uh, and, and honor his brother and his family um, as opposed to them being yeah a, 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 a background victim like um, with this really tragic thing in their life. So I love the motive there. And so that's why like I'm ultimately fine with where the movie goes. And yeah. as well as you combine that with the, the ending of it being exactly how they said it was going to be storyboarded earlier in the over the top, like, you know, this, this is going to end with a gunfight yeah. and, a, <laughs> and a car chase and, uh, like Fire. I was giggling the whole time. Yeah. So so that's why I say I'm satisfied with the ending. So before I give my the way my head was going, um, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I so I think it is a really interesting commentary on because this film is endless commentary. It's endless meta, like flashing the light on things, all kinds of different things. And this specific thing is it really does shine a light on the fallacy of based on a true story, which even the Coen brothers make fun of with Fargo because they put it in front of the movies based on a true story. No, it's not. Right. And that's the thing because like... I, very, very, very loosely Fargo no, is. Very. Right. Like loosely, if that. It's a stretch. But like yes. the idea is this obnoxious 
Adrian Brody character wants to take this story and take it in this completely crazy different direction. And then David Oyelowo wants to do the same thing as well. It's why they wind up dead and are dishonoring this story. And I think at the moment, and like, you're right, that motive and like him explaining himself, like, dang, this got dark. It got dark real quick. (laughs) And, and yeah, I think it does have a bit of some tonal issues, but you're 100% right. How, like, the ending of the mystery, I'm fine with, and I think it works. The actual execution of the ending of the movie is amazing. Yes. I just love that. And, like, what I was alluding to, Agatha Christie's actually a character in this right. movie. And I'm just like, what? Which is kind of distracting, because I don't think anybody could see her and not hear Moaning Myrtle. So... Uh, I literally turned to my, I turned to Jess, my wife. I'm just like, hey, look, it's Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. I didn't recognize her visually, but immediately recognized the voice. Yeah, uh, uh, she, that actress, dug herself in a hole by doing <laughs> Harry Potter because can, cannot unhear it. All right, all right, so are you ready to hear my alternates on why I think like this is why I can't quite go into love it because I think each of these are better endings. Um, okay, so the one that I thought was legitimately a good chance, relatively straightforward, my, my first suspicion was the Italian nephew of the screenwriter. Um, the reasons being that they point out that he is a tax amateur taxidermy, which means he has the means and the capability mm-hmm. of dealing with dead bodies, of dead, of dead things, and likely also has the means to kill them. Um, so that was my first thought, especially since the body is displayed. A taxidermist literally yeah. displays body uh, bodies, um, yeah, the and then his motive. Really good job of tricking you into thinking that that's a possibility. Yeah, but he and he's barely mentioned too, and it's always it's frequently somebody that is a background character. You know, it mm-hmm. it was never going to be the screenwriter that killed the director. Um, he's way too important. It's way too obvious. Uh, it's it was never going to be the producer. So. Uh, this is, so this is, a this is one of those characters where I'm like, okay, I think, I think that makes sense because he's barely featured. And then the other thing being, he seems loyal to his, uh, to the screenwrite play and he can see how much the, the conflict with the director is hurting him. So he would kill the director on behalf of the screenwriter would be, was my first theory. Straightforward, um, makes sense, connects, connects all the dots, um, doesn't allow for tons of fun, except for the fact that the Italian guy speaks no English. Uh, that could have been some fun, but um, yeah, that was that was my that was my first first inkling. My next inkling was that this is going to be Saoirse Ronan. Uh, the motive being she's a cinephile. We know very little about about her except that she's like into all the actors and all that. And so um, I, I was thinking this is going to be one of those unreliable narrator things where. We know we know very little about her other than she's poor and she um, it is very much into pop culture. I mean, we know she has a kid. We know she has a husband that she lost in the war. But none of that really matters. Um, it, it doesn't play any effect into the movie. So, um, which is also an annoyance, um, but whatever. Uh, so the oh, um, the motive being that she loves the theater and she doesn't want to see this play that she admires even though she hasn't seen it yet um she doesn't want to see this play that she admires be ruined by a bad film adaptation so that would be the motive um kind of like scream or or scream two isn't there one of the scream scream three right is the is the these movies suck like 
we got to give them an original thing again or I bring it back seen to reality. The third or the fourth. It's either the third or the fourth one that is essentially that motive. That sounds about right. Or and like that. What I found very interesting was that for like a piece of it, the film tried to make you think Sam Rockwell. So that's that's the portion of the movie that ultimately, like I think, ruin, ruins the fun of the movie. I I agree. That is the moment where I feel like the tone shifts in, in the film, and, and it clearly was never going to be him. That's the thing. It teases you with it, but you never believe that to be true. Yes. But man, if this movie went in all all in on that and really committed to that and really set it up well, and that turned out to be true, I would have given this film a lot of credit. Yes, and because I, I feel like it would be, would have been on the same level as like Sarah Ronan was who wound up doing it. It's one of our two main characters. Mm-hmm. The film only teases you with it, but it's not like a. It's well, not and the like fact. A, the fact that Sam Rockwell, his character, is so dismissive of every other suspect, also, like, he's clearly not trying to hide something. It shows, you know, he's, he's it shows that if, if he were the killer, it would make sense for him to try to pin it on whoever makes the most logical sense. Yeah. But the fact that he is dismissive of everybody really quickly, that would, you know, be a counterintelligence for this new officer. I, I like the boldness of the idea but obviously they only use it as a tease and it does kind of it it does affect the film and yes. like how you well, how you're feeling wa- watching well, it, it especially because it loses all of its fun until the woman shows up in the jail cell and he's like that's not my wife i've never seen her in my life and it's like joyce yeah. or something like well joyce is a common name like that's that's a really fun moment especially cuz then we never see joyce again she's not like excuse me like are we done here can i like there's no yeah. No moment like that. She's just forgotten about immediately, which is to me funnier. Um, but it's it. It was never going to be that character for me, and 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 so I never bought into the like suspense they were trying to build in, and I it lost all of its comedic aspects from as soon as they introduced it, um, from the day that she takes him home drunk um, to to the reveal that he didn't actually do it, and then they have to get serious again until they get to the final um the final act yeah so because they have to be like all right now we got to get this thing back on its tracks and get it set up for this big finale um so um so my other two theories on who was the killer and honestly i really wish this film would have gone this direction so i didn't know that this uh this is the mousetrap is that the name of the play Mm -hmm. okay so i didn't know that this was an actual play um and it's actually been airing on the west end every week until 2020 and reopened in 2021 like it's it's widely popular um mm-hmm. and has been ever since it opened so i didn't know that this was a real thing largely because there has been no film adaptation of it since and i didn't get into theater until relatively recently um so i thought this was going to be made up but i don't think but why would they have richard attenborough in there? it doesn't really make sense unless they just want to want people to be like oh that's a person i know that person yeah. or maybe sell a few extra tickets to old people i don't know um so my theory leading in in the final act before the re- before it's which is before it's revealed who it actually is my theory was that Agatha Christie is the killer <laughs> and I wanted that to be true so badly um because the more I thought about it the more I loved it and let me explain why um so first of all I I was like I'm never I'm not going to fully buy into Agatha Christie being the killer unless they kill unless she kills Richard Attenborough 
which then we can officially declare is alternate history. So everything is on the table, in which case Agatha Christie can be the killer. It's alternate history. So my first, the first thing that uh, that made me be like, oh, this would be fun, is there's the, the there's the butler that winds up getting poisoned, uh, and then there's the other person in the house, uh, and and he says that Agatha is having writer's block. Well, what better way to solve writer's block than if you're a mystery writer than to create your own mystery? Like if you can't figure out an ending of a movie and you make your own ending to this murder mystery that you've been doing yourself, that's a very interesting twist. That's a very interesting third act. And then it also then implies that maybe Agatha Christie was active and present in other murders for her stories as well, which also interesting, right? Not quite perfect, though, because here's what is perfect. Agatha Christie's motive being she hates what actors have done with her script because there's the scene earlier where Richard Attenborough notices that uh, Sam Rockwell has a limp, and so he writes it into the script in, when, when we see the play next because he says, don't mind the limp. It's an old war, war wound that is acting up because of the cold, which doesn't matter at all and detracts away from what's actually going on. So Agatha Christie's, Christie's motive being sullying her script mm-hmm. isn't that a much better fitting ending for this movie that that's the thing because like it would have been such a bolder crazier fun ending for and, a bold crazy fun movie yeah and that's the thing it didn't turn out to be as bold and crazy as fun in the end as i think at least the beginning led you think it was yes because that's the thing because i feel like this film is all the tone is set by adrian brody who yes. is bold, obnoxious, over-the-top, and crazy. And I loved it. I was hooked from those opening moments. And then, yeah, like we've been saying up to this point, it's just like it loses its tone. It gets a little bit more serious. And in the end, it's a much more serious reason and a lot less bold and out there and exciting. Yeah. That's my preferred ending. Right, that's that's the that's time. the main reason why I wanted to do this is because I was mainly like I want somebody to hear what I wanted this movie to end. Oh wow, that's a big bolt of lightning. Okay, <laughs> I just I mostly wanted so, yeah. to do this because I was mostly like I really think this would have been a terrific ending. This would have been a five star movie if that would have been the ending that it would have, maybe four and a half. It would have been my number two favorite film of the year if that's the ending they would have gone with. Um, but. But ultimately, for it to be an ending that doesn't really mean much and doesn't really redeem the middle act, um, doesn't really fit totally with everything else like, other than the execution of the ending. Um, it's just, there's a there's an excellent movie in here, and it's so close to being that, and it just misses mm-hmm. the mark. But I am now have this writer and this director on my radar pretty hard. Yep, look forward to seeing what they do next. I don't think there's anything else I specifically wanted to mention, but how did the, like... I mentioned the split camera work, and I don't think it particularly adds anything to the movie, other than it kind of lends itself to the silly tone. Do you agree with that? Do you do you think I'm an idiot? I think no, I think I think the the approach to how they make the film really fit the tone for most of them. And yes. like you said, when the tone shifts, it you know the the bold camera work, the different kinds of angles, like the, those kinds of things make an atmosphere around the film that makes it more interesting, dynamic and fun. And when the film becomes less that, then I guess it becomes less important, but at least those technical aspects are there to keep pulling you in. And, you know, 
I'll take that in any movie, in every movie, over just somebody pointing a camera and just rolling. Yeah. It just, it felt flashy. It felt like, it felt like the directors is a, wanted to make a Wes Anderson movie and wanted to advertise this as a Wes Anderson movie because he knew that that would draw in more people. And then it almost just felt like, I don't want to say a gimmick, because uh, I do think it serves a small, uh, like a, it kind of serves the tone, but is entirely unnecessary to me. Um, yeah, I, I more the, the more I'm talking about this movie, the more I'm like, I, I, I had a blast watching it. I laughed a lot, especially mm-hmm. the scene. Um, God bless you if you haven't seen the trailer, because there's there's the scene where they question the person that we know later to be the actual killer, and they're like, Yeah, I saw this man walking around suspiciously. He's like, Well, how was he doing? He's like, Suspiciously, like it's. That was a really, really, really funny because he describes the most vague person ever about normal height, normal looking face, normal everything. He did it suspiciously. Like that's it was a really funny scene, especially because with the setup of Sam Rockwell is clearly a good detective. uh, And then and and having all these leads that he shoots down. Now there's finally a promising one and it just kills all the momentum. So it's great. Uh, there was there was also during that scene there was a maid cleaning a banister in the background and me and my wife both really hoped that the maid would have been the killer like for for reasons unknown to the plot one of those like you see her in the background but you don't realize you see her in the background until it's revealed and then she was just like i just hated him he was a douche so i killed him and then all you guys had to make a big fuss about it and then he was on to me, the screenwriter was on to me so i killed him too like you know one of or or like or somebody just took advantage of the situation, been one of those, like, well, somebody already killed somebody, so if I kill somebody, if I strangle somebody, too, they'll think that the first person it is. Anyway, I thought I, I thought this is going to be the movie to do that, where just some random maid in the background was the killer. Um, so that might that would have also been pretty fun. Been. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, do you have anything else? No, I, I think the big thing is, as a charming cast, I, I would... I would see more movies with Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan teaming yes. up because I love their complete opposite dynamic of Sam Rockwell just wanting to nap and get out of work and, <laughs> and her Ronan writing literally everything in her journal because she's well, just trying I, to be. And then I want to see like the second or third movie. Essentially, the roles were reversed, like where she gets a big thing wrong and somebody dies for it, and then she's just depressed and sad and doesn't want to work the case and sam rockwell has to cheer her up like i yes i i absolutely want to see more of these uh more of these people and i want to see more roles like this for sir sharoni this is really not like anything she'd done before but she killed it at least as far as i'm aware i don't know you're a bigger fan i like her i just haven't seen as much i feel like this kind of role is a because like it's a little bit quirkier and a little bit like because, you know, obviously your biggest roles are from, like, Brooklyn and Little Women and Lady Bird. But this, like, she is just trying her darndest to try to be the most on-top-of-things cop. And she's the overzealous rookie who is just paired up with this I'm-too-old-for-this kind yeah. of detective. And it just really works, the dynamic. And she's extremely charming. And, like, her, the best part is her catching herself knowing that he's going to say something. Like, he's like, she's like, oh, I jumped into conclusions again, weren't I? And he's just like, 
slowly nodded, <laughs> like, yep, I don't have to say a thing. And that just dynamic just made me so happy with two of them. Yeah, it, I, I saw, I saw, I think Jake's review said, if they're not going to give us a nice guy sequel, can they at least give us this? And like, yes, same energy. Um, yeah, I, I echo that. Um, so I, I, I would love to see more. I'm hoping that this review convinces some people to see it in theaters, bolster the box office numbers a bit. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if this was one of those like movies that not a lot of people saw in theaters because they simply weren't aware of it. And then it came on Netflix and it just blew up to number one and then got like a Netflix original sequel or I get searchlights. I mean, maybe, maybe they wanted to make a sequel like straight for Hulu, but I could, I could easily see this being like a, a sleeper hit in the theaters, but a cult classic, um, and I think it's easier to greenlight some of that stuff, like for a streamer. For a streamer, um, so that I could I could see that happening. I'm hoping this podcast boosts people to go see it itself yes. um, to get more more sales on the tickets. I'm sorry if you have to endure a Nicole Kidman AMC ad for it. Um, that's not my intention, but it is worth <laughs> sticking through that it. Nicole Kidman ad. Uh, okay, um, I don't have anything else. You said your piece. You're good. Yep. All right. Uh, well, as a reminder, you can follow Shane uh, on Twitter at uh, Kanto Shane, and he will have all of the things that he probably Instagram is a better follow actually because you you post your stories everything literally post everything that I do everywhere else onto Instagram. So the easiest place to go is to go to Wasteland Review or Instagram and just check out everything, and there's links to everything. Woo, links. Uh, yeah, so check out that kind of stuff if you want to hear more of Shane's thoughts on lots of different movies, lots of different things. And uh, Jake had a, Jake had his review. I saw this with Jake. Jake's review is live on Sifpop.com if you want to go check that out. And uh, like I said, I'm not sure in the next time we'll be back for one of these mini episodes. Maybe the greatest beer run. Uh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>